and I open the box and in the box there's this huge diamond like a big diamond ring and I'm looking at it and I thought oh my gosh and I look at it and I'm looking at it the more I look at it the more beautiful it seems to be getting and I'm like this is huge and honestly it was a huge big diamond of course they're very wealthy hello this is Sally McNally the Irish midwife welcome back to the bleeding truth and this is Bridget McNally Sally's daughter So real quick, before we jump into today's stories with Sally, I just want to let you guys know that if anybody has questions that you want to ask Sally, either about midwifery or about yoga or hypnosis or anything that she has um, as her specialties, feel free to ask her uh, directly through the link in the description below, and we'll try to answer those during the next podcast. So for today's story, somebody requested this. I haven't heard it yet, but all I know is that today's story starts with something to do with a diamond ring. Oh, yes. The story about the diamond ring. Oh, yeah, that was a good one. Well, in um, Saudi Arabia, when I was working there, um, the the people are very generous. uh, And if you admire something, they want to give it to you. So uh, we were always told, don't admire anything, their jewellery or their clothes or anything, because they'll feel like they have to give it to Mm. you then. Um, So it was a kind of an unwritten rule. You just didn't mention anything. Um, And then um, the the women, uh, if they they really liked, you know, uh, how you did their delivery, and they bonded with you throughout the labor and stuff. They were probably inclined to give you um, their wedding ring. Oh, wow. uh, I have a little collection. <laughs> yeah, I have a little collection of wedding rings from, you know, difficult deliveries, long, hard labors and stuff where the women would uh, afterwards, they would take your hands and they would kiss your hands and give you their wedding ring. And that that was like such an honor to... Um, be treated like that you know and then sometimes I remember looking at my hands after they had kissed them and I would think wow that's so cool that my hands could do the good work first but then that my hands could be cherished in such a way wow and uh, it, it was a really nice thing to do um I can remember one particular delivery um where it was a shoulder dystocia uh, if uh, you don't know what that means it means the baby's head has been born and the shoulders now are stuck and are not coming out and of course it's an obstetrical emergency and can be very dangerous for both mother and baby and there i was in the labor room on my own there was nobody free to come and help me I was shouting, help, help, help. And this poor baby, head was out, big shoulders um, and nobody to help me. Usually there's manoeuvres that we do with the patient's body to put her into a position to free up the shoulders. We can, you know, sometimes have somebody press uh, doing what's known as pubic pressure, pressing on the anterior shoulder to help it release under the pubic bone. Sometimes we'll turn the baby all the way around to see if we can um, get the bottom shoulder out. Sometimes we'll turn the patient on her hands and knees, but there was nobody to help me. So the last 
thing that I could do is to uh, deliberately break the clavicle. And and at that time in obstetrics, that's what we were taught, that if there was nothing else uh, relieving this situation, then you would, you know, place your thumb in the centre of that baby's clavicle and press in as hard and as fast as you could. And hopefully that would relieve it. And that's and the that's the little bone that is right between the base of your neck to your shoulder, right? That's yeah. right. So, yeah. Of the baby, the, the baby's clavicle. The little baby's clavicle. Oh, and no. the thought to injure a baby deliberately is like horrific. But it was only in a matter of life and death. Yeah. And that was the situation I was in. Where, um, was, was, nobody, where was everyone? They were all doing deliveries. Wow. It was Everybody was caught up. Nobody could hear me. And the baby's head was out for like minutes at this stage. And the baby was, you know, having a really hard time. And it was time to do something. I tried everything that I could do uh, on my own. Mm-hmm. And so the mother, I was looking up between her legs and she was lifting her head and I could see her looking at me. And uh, she was saying in Arabic, help me, save my baby, help me, save my baby. Um, And I had to do what I had to do. And uh, so I can remember hearing that little crack, the little crack of the bone. And uh, I pushed in really hard and it, it did what I was taught to do. It collapsed the shoulder a little bit and the baby came right out um, and the baby was huge the baby must have been like almost 12 pounds big sumo wrestler baby <laughs> oh my gosh um, yeah um, wow. I know it was it was quite a scary I can remember feeling so scared uh, and shaking with the adrenaline and but I put that big baby up on that mother's chest and immediately she grabbed my hands and she started to kiss my hands. Yeah, so she was kissing my hands and um, the baby was crying. The baby's all pink and, you know, moving and breathing and doing everything just right. Um, yeah, so uh, that was a very scary situation. Um and of course, I have her ring and I have it uh, safe, like a, a really special memento. Um, but um, eh, over there in Saudi, of course, uh, there's a monarchy, there's a king and there's many princes and princesses. And um, so uh, there's a big line of princesses that uh, we used to get into the hospital where I worked Um and there was a royal suite where we used to go to deliver them. And this royal suite, and I kid you not, this is the bleeding truth, <laughs> the handles on the doors were solid gold oh. and the taps were solid gold. And anything that was metal was golden. And it was, it was really amazing. But it was weird because... They had a white carpet. It was like everything was so beautiful. And this is, of course, this a labor room suite. Yeah, oh, wow. this was where the princesses would deliver, and they'd have this beautiful white carpet. Um, in the same area, they had, you know, I remember hearing the story of this prince who uh, was in there, and he had the the white carpet in his area too and he'd be smoking cigarettes and just throwing them off the bed and the white carpet had all these burns on it but that's a different story but <laughs> this um 
this day I got called to do a delivery for a princess uh, in the royal suite. And I was so excited that this was great. This was my first time up there in that particular area. And princesses, when they come in, they have a big montage of people. They they had people to fix their hair and their nails and people to dress them and somebody to help them go to the toilet and clean their bottom. And, wow. Um, yeah. So they'd have like a big line of people. Um, and um, this princess was... Uh, uh, very sweet to me and I remember we bonded well and uh, we did the delivery and she loved uh, the way I did the delivery uh, because I guess her perineum was intact and everything worked out really well and that she called me back the next day she said she had a gift for me so I came in to the the royal suite and I was saying to her we're not allowed accept gifts I'm really happy to have met you and to have you know been a part of your special experience but I'm not allowed to take gifts thank you for the thought and she said oh no no you you cannot say no this is a gift from my baby and and somebody else in the room said if you say no to this gift it's a huge insult you cannot say no oh and uh, and I said, oh, OK, then. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. <laughs> so she gives, me, she gives me this little box. It was like an order. I had to take the gift. So I took the gift and uh, she was like smiling at me and waving at me as I left the door. And I was like, that's so sweet and nice. And I'm walking down the corridor, going back to work. And I opened the box and in the box, there's this huge diamond Ooh. like a big diamond ring wow. and I'm looking at it and I thought oh my gosh and I look at it and I'm looking at it the more I look at it the more beautiful it seems to be getting and I'm like this is huge and honestly it was a huge big diamond of course they're very wealthy mm -hmm. the royal family and of course she could afford to give like big gifts but this was a really big gift but I guess <laughs> having her first baby was like a really big deal to her wow. I, I I could have you know bought a car could have maybe what do you mean could have if I'd sold this ring, I'm sure it was worth a lot of money. And I never had anything like this before. Wow. And it just so happened that that night we were having a New Year's party. Uh-oh. We oh, no. <laughs> yes, a pool party that we were all going to dress up in our evening wear because we had to make our own fun. You right. Know, remember um, so um, this was in our own compound. Uh, we had this like nice big swimming pool, and we we had you know food, and we had decorations, and we were all going to dress up really nice, okay? And I had this lovely black velvet dress. I remember the black velvet dress, mm -hmm. and I had bl long black gloves. And when I went home from work and I tried on me, me outfit, I put on the black gloves and I slid that beautiful diamond ring onto my finger over the black gloves. And it looked like Hollywood. I thought, <laughs> this is great. Um, and yeah, yeah. So off I went to the party with the girls and everyone was like, woo, what a ring. And everyone was like astonished at my beautiful 
jewelry. <laughs> yes, I remember high heels, velvet dress, little slit up to me thigh, and then these gloves. Um, and sure, I thought I was the bee's knees. <laughs> and <laughs> I often wonder why we say the bee's knees. <laughs> so, um, I was going around dancing and shaking people's hands and, um, you know, it was a good party. There was music. It was like a disco. It was like at home if you were like at a nightclub or yeah. a disco. It was great fun. Um, and then as the night wore on, I, I looked down at my hand and I thought, oh, no, did I bring the ring? Didn't I bring the ring? I brought the ring. <gasps> the ring was gone. Oh, my it gosh. Was- somehow slipped off my finger so um I said oh my god I lost my ring and everyone was like what ring what you talk about who what you got on so all of a sudden there was um everyone was looking for the ring we were all down in oh our and around by the pool some brave people jumped into the pool and were swimming down looking to see could it be at the bottom of the pool and uh we searched for a while, but nobody ever found the ring. And the party went on. And I thought, oh, well, I had the ring for a wee while. And I enjoyed it. <laughs> oh, Sally. I know. And I hope whoever found it, um, hopefully, I often thought the next day, there was these wee Sri Lankan men, I think they were from, or Pakistan, maybe. I'm not sure where they were from. But they used to come to clean the pool. And I often thought, I hope one of them found the ring. <laughs> Because it would have changed their life. It could have been anyone. Someone found it as you guys were searching and they were like, whoop, put it in my pocket. Yes. Anyway, I believe it was Nina. Uh, She wanted me to tell that story. And Nina, that story's for you. (laughs) (laughs) That was a good one. But oh my God, that hurts just thinking about it, that you had (laughs) this giant, you know, valuable item. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Well, that was an example of a, of a princess treating you beautifully, wow. you know, to be so valued like that. And then the opposite, like uh, I remember uh, one of the princesses um, came in different. I don't remember any names. And again, I don't mean to insult the Saudi royal family in any way, but this is my bleeding truth. It's what I witnessed with my own eyes. Um, she was addicted to heroin, of all oh, things. Wow. Yes. And when she came in to the hospital to be evaluated, um, her little baby was not doing well. And she was like only like 28 weeks pregnant and the baby looked really ill like the baby was needing a c-section um, and we couldn't get an IV uh, going on her to run her to the operating room to do a c-section all her veins were used up because she was an addict right um, but one of her maids was there and her maid stepped in and said I can get a vein in Arabic she said I can do it and um, we were like, wow, really? But of course, the the uh, girl knew where to get a vein. Up in her elbow area was the vein somewhere that they'd been recently using. At the back of her elbow, they'd found one. And uh, she she started the IV for us, which was amazing. So then we ran to get everything ready. Um, and when we came back to get her, she was locked in the bathroom. 
And we were like, come on, we have to bring you. We have to save the baby. We need to do an emergency C-section. Um, and she was like, I'll be there in a minute. I'll be there in a minute. And finally, we were like banging on the door. Come on, come on. You have to come. What are you doing? What's going so, on? Oh. And of course, she was she was taking heroin in there. Somebody had given her heroin. And uh, so baby. she was poor baby I don't think the baby made it yeah I I can't remember the end of that story but the baby did get taken to the NICU but I don't think it it lived it was a very sad story very very sad that's insane yeah yeah how, uh, how like, so the, the so wildness of the place like there we were hiding our little bit of booze that we were trying mm-hmm. to make and like, you know, sometimes our compounds where we lived and we might be making our little barrels of beer or, or our wine and uh, we'd get, um, you know, intel coming into us. They're planning a raid. They're coming in the gates. They're coming to raid the compound to see if there's any illegal raid substances. Raid the compound? Raid the compound. They'd come into your house and walk around oh, and wow. search and stuff. So then in that case, you'd have to empty out all your booze and flush it down the toilet and flush it away and uh, then look all innocent when they'd walk around your house <laughs> but here was the royal you know um princess uh, addicted yeah, to Yeah that heroin. was what I was just going to ask is there like a difference in what women can do when they're in the royalty Well I I think you know um they wouldn't have advertised the fact that she was doing that. And perhaps they didn't even know, mm. you know, um, it might have been just kept a secret, you know, all around her. Um, and, uh, you know, her 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 um, people that were with me, they they did offer that she became addicted when she went to get educated in England. She went over there and that's where she was introduced to. Oh, drugs. really? Wow. Yeah. Yeah, poor thing. It's really yeah. sad. Yeah. That's wild, though. Rings and things, huh? <laughs> now you have a smaller diamond ring, and it's perfect. I have the best beautiful ring. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Alrighty. Thank you for sharing that. That was a good story. Well, thanks for listening, and I hope you all come back again. And uh, if you have any friends that you think might be interested in listening to my bleeding truth please send them to our podcast absolutely and give sally a like and subscribe uh that would mean the world we will definitely see you in the next one thanks a million thanks thanks a million